to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. We're going to be talking on up to Christmas along these lines. And, and we're going to be talking about falling in love with God, falling in love with Jesus. Just really, I mean, head over heels, falling in love with Him. And I, I, I just think it's so important that we really realize the importance of doing that. I want to begin this morning with a statement. This is something that I wrote this week as I was sitting down preparing the message for today. And I wrote these words down. The greatness of God, His love, His grace, His mercy and forgiveness is unexplainable and indescribable. Let me say that one more time. The greatness of God, His love, His grace, His mercy and forgiveness is unexplainable and indescribable. I read it another way this week, and this is how someone else put down the greatness of God. And they said these words, God cannot be contained in this world. He cannot be explained by our vocabulary, or can He be grasped by our understanding. So what does that mean today? It means that God is greater than any word that we could ever speak. Have you ever tried to explain God to someone? Words just don't cut it. Do you know what I'm saying? You run out of words. There's not enough vocabulary. There's not enough words to just explain how great God is. He is greater than any thought or imagination. Right now, our thought life is an incredible thing. We can think right now, like think about being on a beach in Hawaii right now. You're right there in your mind. You can see yourself kicked back and relaxing in the palm trees and and hearing all the all that stuff. The thought is incredible, but our thoughts cannot even fully comprehend, picture, imagine the greatness of our God. His awesomeness. They don't even come close. They don't even scratch the surface. I don't have this scripture up on the screen, but Psalms 145 verse 3 says these words, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And His greatness, the New King James says, is unsearchable. What does that mean? It means His greatness is beyond understanding. What an incredible God. I said, what an incredible God we serve. It's a God that has love with no limits. Aren't you glad about that today? I'm glad that God's love has no limits. Because if it did, I'd have ran out a whole long time ago. God's love has no limits. His grace is beyond comprehension. His mercy is everlasting. 
and His forgiveness is unfathomable. But yet, I said, but yet, but yet, a God like that, a God beyond our understanding, our imagination, a God beyond description, He wants to have a relationship with you and I. How incredible is that? That a magnificent, awesome, incredible, unbelievable, indescribable God wants to have a relationship with each one of us. He wants us to love Him in the same way of the love that He has towards each one of us. I heard this saying as a kid and I've never forgotten it. Someone said these words, I asked God how much he loved me. And he said, this much, as he stretched out his arms and he died for me. We've used that analogy so many times. How much do you, well, you know, about this, how much, about this, how much does God love us? He said, this much, as he stretched out his arms, giving everything because he loves us so much. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, falling in love with an incredible, awesome God, just like that. And by, when I say falling in love with God, I want to talk about falling in love with the person of God and not the benefits and the blessings and the stuff that he brings, but to, fall, to totally fall in love with who he is, and not just what he gives. After all, love is the true meaning of Christmas. It's the theme for this season. It's not Santa. It's not the elves. It's not sleighs, reindeers, and gifts. It's not Frosty the snowman. It's not Christmas trees. It's not decorations and lights. Those things are great. I love those things. Look at the church. We love decorating. It's beautiful. It's nice. We like them. There's nothing wrong with those things just as long as we remember the true reason for the season. And that was this. Christ the Savior was born for mankind. Here's the Christmas message from God's Word from John 3 verse 16. The Bible says these words, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I read this verse also in the Message Bible, and I love how it puts it. Listen to this. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why so that no one needs to be destroyed. But by believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Come on, anyone can experience everlasting, eternal life in Jesus Christ. But there's a little word in that verse that I've often talked about, and that is this, so. The Bible says that God so loved the world. He didn't just love the world. He so loved the world. He didn't just have kind feelings towards. 
He didn't have warm and fuzzy feelings towards each one of us. He didn't just love us, kind of was fond of us. The Bible says he so loved us. You've got to see the passion that God has towards us, the desire that God has about his creation, about mankind, that he looked and he so loved every one of us that he said, what can I give to show the extent of the love that I have? And looking around, he saw heaven's best. I said he saw heaven's best that was his son. And he said, I love the world so much that I am willing to give the best as he gave his son. It saddens me that I think in our lives, in our daily walk, We have somehow lost sight of that so loving God. The God that so loves us. But what do you mean, Pastor Philip? It's evident as we so quickly blame God for the pain. We blame God for the anguish. We blame God for the suffering that we see us. It's always God's fault. Last Sunday, I can't remember the guy's name, but he plays for the Buffalo Bills. If any of you like football, he's a wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. I think they're in overtime. And who were they playing on Sunday? Pittsburgh, Trey's team. They were down to almost the final seconds. And the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills pulled back and threw a pass of about 50, 60 yards. And this receiver was wide open in the end zone. And he let the ball go through his hands, thus giving the ball back to Pittsburgh. And they managed to squeeze yet another victory by the skin of their team. But Hannah was telling me this week that they were talking in Pulse about how that wide receiver on Twitter tweeted these words. And I don't know exactly the words he put, but this is my definition of him. He said these words, I praise you 24-7, and you couldn't help me catch that ball. I praise you 24-7, but yet you couldn't help me catch that ball. God gave him two hands, wrists, arms, forearms, elbows, shoulders, Bodies, legs, muscles. God gave him everything he needed to catch that ball. It wasn't God's fault that he dropped it. Come on, I said God has given everything that we need, but yet we blame God and say, God, why is this? Why is that? We have everything. It's because of our misuse. Our mishandling. Why? Because we've forgotten the so loved part. We've forgotten that everything that God does towards us is love. So when we look at these things, it's not God's fault. It's a result of sin. A choice that mankind made. But God looked at the problem of sin and said, sin will no longer have dominion. And he so loved us. That he sent a son, his son, heaven's best. He gave us a savior that through him that we could have life. John 3, 16 that we have just read is the gift. But John 10 verse 10 tells us what the gift now makes available to every one of us. The Bible says the thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy. Don't like that. I said I don't like that. 
I don't like anything being taken from me. I don't like things being destroyed. And I definitely, I don't think I'll like being killed. I don't know that yet, but just take my word for it. I don't think it's a good thing. So we don't like the things that Satan has, but remember the gift that God so loved the world with? He stood up one day and says, but I have come. Here's the reason that I have come. Come on, this is the reason for the season. This is the so loved God that he sent his son and he said, but I have come that you may have life. Not a mere existence, but a life to the max. Jesus said, I've come to give you a life of abundance. That's the purpose of God's so loved gift that every one of us can have in Jesus Christ, that he came to give us life, but not just life, but a life of abundance. So love, God, made a way for each one of us to experience true living through him in Christ Jesus. But do we love God, the one who so loves us? Or do we just love the stuff? I think we have love all backwards today, and let me explain that. In England, there used to be a cartoon that was drawn in the newspapers every week, and you probably have it over here because you steal everything that we have. (laughs) Only joking. Still love me? You better. But in England, we had a cartoon that was called Love Is. Anyone remember the cartoon Love Is? It was just very simple little people that were drawn, just almost like a pencil little drawing. And a caption across the top with the little boy and a little lady. Caption across the top would say, love is. And then in the picture, they would be seen doing something like sharing an ice cream. And it would say, love is sharing an ice cream with the one you love. Or you would see them on a beach with a little sunset behind them. And the caption would be, love is sharing a sunset with those you care about. An incredible little image of love. But unfortunately, I believe a wrong image of love. Because that's what we have equated love as being. I love you because. I love you because. Think about that. If you were to ask most people, well, why do you love your husband? Why do you love your wife? Hopefully they would say, well, because he's kind. Because he's giving. Because he takes care of me. Because he makes me feel secure. Because he comforts me. Or she comforts me. Because they understand me. And the list can go on and on and on. And all those things are so important. Don't get me wrong. But they are acts of love. They are not love. They are acts of love. So what has happened today is our love has become based on performance instead of character. Think about that. Our love has been based upon what I get as a result of instead of just truly what I have. And as a result, what happens? Here's the major problem with that. When we love someone for what they do instead of what they Ah, here's the major problem. What happens when that kindness becomes fewer and further between? And he or she loses their temper more often. What happens when they're not quite so given as they used to be? 
What happens when you don't take care of me? You used to hold the door open for me. You used to do this. You used to do that. You used to care for me. Now you slam the door in my face. What happens? This is what happens. I begin to question their love. Because all of a sudden, I'm not feeling so loved anymore. They used to, now they don't. Well, that can only mean one thing. They don't love me so much as they used to. And what happens when someone feels that they're not loved as they used to? They don't love like they used to. So they don't give so much in return. So what happens is all of a sudden, love becomes cold. And people's lives begin to veer apart. Why? Because our love has become action-based. And as a result of it just being in the stuff and in the action and in the giving, we've perhaps lost sight of the one that we really fell in love with. I'm going to throw this statement in here. If we even loved that person in the first place. You didn't catch that. That we lose sight of the one that we fell in love with if we ever loved that person in the first place. Because so many times we fall in love with all the giving instead of the giver. We fall in love with all the stuff. Well, he takes care of me. I know he's not exactly what I want. And I know he doesn't look really cool. And I know he's kind of overweight. And I know he's kind of this. Well, come on. What is it you like about him? Well, listen, he bought me a beautiful car. I mean, come on. I mean, he makes good. And oh, his insurance is to die for. Literally, I'm covered. I'm covered. If he dies, I'm a millionaire. Come on. We look at all those things. And that's why today, unfortunately, You are seeing so many marriages, 30, 40, 50 years, that falling apart and ending in divorce because all of a sudden they love the stuff and they've forgotten what true love, the person in all of that. That's sad. I said, that's sad. But you know what's even sadder? That's how we treat God. We treat God, the one who so loved us that he gave the best. We treat God in the very self-same way. If you were to ask most people today why they love God, the answers would be the same over and over again. Because he healed me. Because he's touched me. Because he saved me. Because he gave me a job. He's helped me. He's done this. There's a peace that he gives. And all these, the, all the things that we would turn around, unfortunately today, and say of God is because. I love him because. Come on, I'm preaching to you today. We love him because. And thank God he is a giver. But so often we have loved God because of what he has done instead of who he is. Who he is. And here again is the problem with that. What happens for, if, for example, I lose my job? It's a job that the church prayed for. And I really believe God worked a miracle to get me the job because I was underqualified. And God worked an absolute miracle. And I know without a shadow of doubt, every day I've given God the glory and said, God, you helped me get this job. But now all of a sudden that job is gone. What happens? Does that mean I kind of stop loving God? Unfortunately, whether we admit it or not, that's exactly the case. Because you know what happens? We begin to get mad at God. 
we get mad at God. God, but you gave me that job. I thought you loved me. Anyone ever said those words? Come on, let's be honest. After all, we're in church. It's a good place to start being honest. Come on now. God, I thought you... Oh, I fell off the steps right there. God, I thought you loved me. God, I thought you loved me. God, what's the deal, God? I thought you'd give me a life. I'm giving my life to you. You said you would guide my steps. What's the deal? Why the hardships, the struggle? God, I thought you loved me. Why? Because we are loving God performance-based. Come on, say with me, that's not true love. Come on, say it like you mean it today. That's not true love. Let me give you an example. Church attendance. Are you ready for this one? Some people have it backwards, but this is how it goes most of the time. When everything's going good in their life, people are right there praising God, worshiping God. Woo, God's great. God's incredible. They love God. They even pay tithes conditionally because they, occasionally because God, everything is great. Life is great. God is good. But at the slightest turn, at the slightest turn, what happens? I'm not going to church today. Just a little bit tired today. What happens? They begin to be not so regular to church. And then what happens? Eventually, they are there rarely at best. Why? Because what's happened? Because of that turn, because of that change of events, we look and say, well, God doesn't love me so much, so therefore, what do we do? We withdraw our love from Him. And we turn around and allow our relationship to become cold. Because we have equated God's love on what has been given to us instead of who he is. My uncle used to have these words written on the visor of his truck. He had two girls, and sometimes they would complain in the morning. Not saying it's a girl thing, but I just threw that in there. Not saying that they would complain in the morning, but when they would complain, he would pull down his visor. On that visor was written, life's not fair, but God is good. Life is not fair, but God still so loves every one of us. His love towards us hasn't changed. Circumstances may tell us it has, but the love of God is still there. In the life's unfairnesses, if there is such a word, in the unfairness of life, let's put it that way, we so often still fail to see the goodness of God. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8, we read these words, Beloved. I love that word, or beloved. But I like it how I said, beloved, because that's what God wants for every one of us, to be loved. That we are the beloved, the beloved of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Literally, love comes from God is what the thought is there. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Listen to verse 8. And he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. That means you cannot separate God from love or love from God. Because love is God and God is 
love. Everything about God is love. It's not an act. It's not just something to impress you. It's who he is. If it were possible to cut God into a million pieces, every piece would still scream out to each one of us, I love you. I love you. I so love you that I sent my son to make a way for you. And in God, of course, there are rewards. In God, there are gifts, there are blessings. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God rewards those. Matthew 7 verse 11 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things, give gifts to those who ask of Him? There's a whole chapter in the Bible called Deuteronomy chapter 28. And it says we are obedient to God. The Bible says we'll be blessed in the city. We'll be blessed in the field. We'll be blessed when we come. We'll be blessed when we go. There's blessings that God has. So we know that God rewards. We know that God gives. We know that God blesses. But that's just a result of who He is. The part that we have lost. The part that we have lost. But in all the rewards, and in all the blessings, and in all the gifts, our lives still go through seasons. There are still seasons of our lives that we face. We love the springtime and we love the summer. But fall is not so much fun. And winter is pretty miserable. The Bible declares to each one of us, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. So what happens if there's not first a dying, if there's not first a falling away? There can be never newness of life and new growth that comes into our lives. So when we go through the seasons of life, when things aren't quite like we think they should be, instead of seeing them as times when God doesn't love us, We need to perhaps see that God is trying to kill some things off in us so a newness of life can come forth, that there will be greater growth, that there will be greater input, that there will be greater blessings that can come through our lives. It's never because God doesn't love us. It's because He does. A rose tree doesn't like to be pruned back or a rose bush every year. But if you don't prune that back next year, the roses won't be as pretty as they were this year. You can look at it and say, wow, that used to be so beautiful. Now it's just a couple of twigs sticking up in the air. That thing's never going to become anything. But it doesn't take long for those twigs to begin to grow. And beautiful roses. It's love. It's love. We must refuse during those times to doubt God's love. Because God's love is not like a switch. That we can switch on, or he switches on and off. That I love him right now, I don't love him. Do, don't, do, don't, do, don't, do, don't. It's not God's love. God said, I so loved you. I'm trying to show you today of the love that God has for us. An incredible, awesome God. The love that he has for us. His love is always on. Even if we don't always see it. Or as we like to put it, feel it. I like to feel God's love. Come on, I like to feel He's there. I like to feel God's love. That's why the Word of God tells us that the walk 
of our lives needs to be a walk of faith and not a walk of feelings. We're not always going to feel like it. We're not going to always feel the way we should. But that's faith. Having faith in Him. Trusting in Him. Not what we get, but trusting in who He is. When our relationship with God or our love towards Him is just about stuff, when stuff comes and goes, our love, our devotion, our commitment to Him changes. And that's not right. That's not true love and trust. Listen to this that I read this week. Ronnie is a blind boy who lives in eastern Uganda. Uganda. He is unique not because of his circumstances or of the fact that he is blind, but because of his love for Jesus. If you were to meet Ronnie, one of the first things you would hear him say is this, I love Jesus so much and I sing praises to him every day. One of Ronnie's closest friends is a girl who is deaf. What stands out about these two isn't that they are handicapped or that they are very poor, but they are totally content and obviously in love with Jesus. They possess very little of what counts in our society, yet they have what matters the most. They came to God in their great need, and through God... They have found true and lasting joy and happiness. I wonder how we would be if we were Ronnie, a little child blind. I wonder how we'd be as that little girl born deaf and unable to hear. I wonder how we would feel if we would be so quick to say, but I still love God because he is so special to me. But instead, our love for God is like the flower. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. Our love for God has become so in, out, this way, that way. Because we have lost sight of the fact that falling in love with God needs to be about who He is, not what He does. Our misconception of love is killing us. It's destroying our lives, literally. If you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 8, or you can read it on the screen with me this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 8. An incredible passage of love. And it says these words, Though I speak with the tongues of men and with angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledges, and, I, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not parading itself, nor is it puffed up, nor does it behave rudely. Doesn't seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, love never fails. 
Love suffers long. It is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You know the love that we have just read about is God. It's God. The image that we just have seen of love is God. The one that so loved every one of us. The incredible picture of love that we just see. And that's why if we don't have God in our lives, the Bible just told us we have nothing. Nothing. But how can we fully love a God like that when our love has become based on a misconception? When it's become so selfish, nothing in that passage of Scripture that I hear about love being about me. Love was all about those around, giving out of myself. The image, of course, of God, who so loved us. But today it's been me, me, me. It's all about me. It's all about me. From this book that I've been reading right now, an incredible book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. He says these words. What if I were to say to you, stop praying? What if I told you to stop talking to God for a while? But instead, just take a long, hard look at him before you spoke another word. I want to read that out again because I want you to get a hold of this today. He says these words, what if I said to you, stop praying? What if I told you to stop talking to God for a while, but instead, just to take a long, hard look at him before you speak another word? To just be silent. And take a look at true love. I wonder when is the last time that we just stopped and took a look at love. Took a look at God. Not stuff. Not blessings. Not rewards. Listen to the way we pray. Most of our prayer is just thanking Him for the stuff. Very little is praising Him for who He is. Come on, I'm preaching to you today. But just to trust Him. To recognize and remember once again how truly magnificent and how incredibly awesome He truly is. Many of us live in a stage of spiritual amnesia. No matter all the knowledge that we have about God. No matter the greatness of His creation that we see around us every day, no matter the splendor, no matter the beauty, no matter the wonder, no matter the amazement, we forget God. Come on, we forget God. When's the last time we looked at a tree and say, God, you're incredible? Do you know that they tell us that on an average elm tree, there can be up to six million leaves? That's an incredible God that put that many leaves on a tree. And maybe if you're just loving God on performance base, you get mad at God because that's a whole lot of leaves to rake up in the fall and winter time. 
but an incredible God. Kelly and I just went on a field trip a couple of weeks ago with Luke to, to a place in Lafayette. And while we were there, they took us in this little planetarium place and they shot up on the ceiling uh, all the stars and everything. And then they, one by one, they showed us all the planets and they showed us images and pictures, incredible images of the, the planets and, and the images that they've taken. And then the lady began to tell us that we've discovered that this planet has like six moons and, and suns that we never knew that happened. And she started talking and she was so excited about planets. I mean, she was real passionate. I looked at Kelly and said, man, I wish people would have as much passion for God as she's got for planets. I mean, she probably dreams planets. Come on, she wakes up and she just, she's probably got planets all, I mean, all around her. She probably sleeps with the luminous stars in her bedroom. You know what I'm saying at night? But she was so passionate. But she was talking about all these planets and solar systems and new moons. Things that they were discovering. Do you realize at the last count, listen to this, at the last count that they are saying there are more than 350 billion galaxies out there. Unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you, God. Over 350 billion, not million, billion, nine zeros, planets out there that have not even been discovered till recently since they had the Hubble telescope. And now they're discovering all these things. You see, we forget the awesome God who so loves every one of us. At the beginning of time stood and the first words he said is, let there be light. And from that time he spoke, light went out. And can I tell you that light is still going out at 186, 282 miles per second? That light is still going out. You say there's no way there's all those galaxies. There are when light's going out at 186,000 and change miles per second. Because when God says, let there be light and he sent it out, he never put no stop to that light. And it's still going. It's never stopped since that day. They tell us that the moon, or rather the sun, is 150,000 kilometers away. That's about 95,000 miles away. It only takes 8 minutes and 19 seconds for light to hit the earth. To travel 95,000 or million miles or whatever it is. All my facts, I don't know. But I'm telling you, 8 minutes and 19 seconds for it to get here. Why? 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 In a simple caterpillar, something that we so often see on the floor and just go. They tell us that in a caterpillar, there are 228 muscles in its head alone. Individual distinct muscles that they have identified in just a bug. I mean, who cares about a bug? I mean, come on, let's just be really real. I mean, who really cares about a bug? God does. A God that so loved us that when he even made a bug, I'm just trying to show you today the one that we need to fall in love with. That even when he made a bug, something that was slimy and green and nasty and something that we wouldn't like, God looked and he said, I'm not just going to create that. I'm going to skillfully wrought that and fashion it, and I'm going to design it. I'm going to put in that caterpillar 228 muscles just in its head alone. An incredible God. I said an incredible God. I could go on for days and weeks, giving example after example about his creation, the thought, the love that he has put into everything. But yet the spiritual amnesia hits us and we forget God. We forget his greatness. We forget of his capabilities. We forget of who he is and what he desires. 
You know what God desires? Just you. Just you. Just you. Just you. Let me begin to bring this to a close, if I may, this morning. We know, or at least I pray, that every one of us knows that we're supposed to love God. That it's right for us to read our Bibles, that it's right for us to pray, that it's right for us to go to church. Why? Because those things, as we're in relationship with Him, we want those things. So why do we read our Bibles, pray, go to church? Why do we long for a relationship with Him so we can get to know Him better? And then to worship Him with our lives. But actually to live that way has become a challenge to many of us. At times it seems confusing and hard to us to love God. I mean, shouldn't it be easy to love a God so wonderful as He is? And the answer is, of course, yes. But here's why we struggle. Because yet again, we have based our love for Him upon feelings. We love Him because we feel we should love Him instead of loving Him because of who He is. We've forgotten that. We've forgotten that it's all about Him. I'm glad, doesn't, I'm glad God doesn't love me based on feelings because I'm sure on the day of Calvary, Jesus did not feel like dying on a cross. Come on, he knew the pain and suffering and he didn't do that based on feelings. Come on, he had surrendered his life over and said, God, not what I want, but what you want. What had he done? He is fulfilling the purpose of God. He had placed his life in the hands of his father. You know what? It's the same way in our lives. We need to place our lives in God. That our lives are not based upon feeling. Well, I feel this way or feel that way. We've got to base our lives upon faith in God. I'm glad that day he did not suffer from amnesia like we do. Do you ever wake up some mornings and not feel like loving God or not wanting to live for Him? Do you ever wake up in the morning and forget to love Him? Forget about God. We all do. I said we all do. And why is that? Because we are surrounded, submerged, and bombarded by so many things that want to distract us from God. To steal away our attention and our devotion. That everything else around us becomes of greater importance than Him. It's not that I haven't got anything to say. I want that to sink in. That everything else has become of greater importance to us than Him. I want us to fall in love with God. For some of you, it's to fall again in love with God. For others, it may be the first time that you've ever really fallen in love with God because you've never really loved God. You've never really understood His love for you and the way that you can love Him in return because of what He has made possible. But I want every one of us to once again fall in love with God so much that our first thought in the morning is Thank you, God. I praise you, God. I worship you, God. You are so great. You are so awesome. Then we can go on to the fact of thank you for my life and for my family and for my home. But my first thing is thank you, God, for who you are. Because, God, that's what I love, not who you, what you do. I love who you are.
Come on, our first thought in the morning needs to be God. Our last thought before we go to bed at night needs to be God. And our thoughts need to be consumed with Him throughout the day. When's the last time you've just been driving down in the car and all of a sudden said, thank you, Jesus. That's not being crazy. That's just expressing. That's just a heart that needs to express itself for the love that it has for God. I praise you, Jesus. I magnify you. I exalt you. Come on, we've got to fall in love with Him all over again. Not what He gives. We've got to fall in love with the person, not the performance. To once again be reminded of who he is and what he is like. His characteristics, his attributes, how we are to fear him, how we are to speak to him. Come on, it's time to love him. It's time to fall in love with God. A God that's holy. That means a God who is incapable of doing anything wrong. He has set apart everything he has, has a plan and a purpose. He is a holy God. He's an eternal God. That means he's never had a beginning. He'll never have an end. He always was and he always will be. Again, that's tough. I can't get my mind around that. Maybe you can because you may have a little bit more in your head than I do. I can't get my thoughts around that, that he always was and he always will be. I can't get my my mind around the fact that we're going to live eternal with him in heaven. I can't get my mind around that, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. He's an eternal God. He has no equal. There is none like him. He's an all-knowing God. He's an omniscient. That's what it means. And isn't that an intimidating thought to know that God knows everything? He knows our thoughts, the Bible says, before we've even thought them. Wow. I've said this before, but can you imagine on the day of judgment when the Bible says we'll have to stand before him, that many of us will stand there and open our mouths, and before even a word comes out, he says, I know what you're about to say. I think you need to change those words. And then we'll kind of mutter back and we'll say, okay, let's try this approach. And God will say, no, that's a lie too. Think about that, standing before a God. That's why the Bible speaks that when we stand before God, anything that's not of value, anything that doesn't have any substance is just going to burn up inside of our hands. It's just going to burn like wood, hay, and stubble. That we're going to be standing before God. He's an all-knowing God. But that's also a great thought because he knows what you need and he knows how to get it for you. He's an all-powerful God. He's omnipotent. He has no equal. He's an ever-present God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. He's not a created being that is limited. God is everywhere at once. He's a God who is fair and he is a God at just. He's a God that doesn't wish that any should perish but that all should have everlasting life. It's time to truly love God. I said it's time to truly love God. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how we can love God in a greater way. Forget the stuff. Come on, forget the stuff. Let's look at God. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, 
We are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.